Well, since you're here, Squidward, we'll give you the new member initiation. Are you ready, Patrick? Ready! Shut your half-wit pie holes! Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to TV Concierge, a podcast on the ringer that helps you navigate the vast streaming landscape. My name is Danny Heifetz, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, and I am joined by my co-host, my producer, and my friend, Craig Horlbeck. Wow. Are you... Because I called you your friend? Is that what the wow? That was a nice, that was a nice trio. I thought you were going to call me the barnacle boy to your mermaid man or something like that. (laughs) No, I'm not that mean. I was going to do the intro of just like, are you ready, Craig? (laughs) But I was like, I don't know if you were going to go along with the bit. Uh, I don't know if I would have got along with it, but I respect it. Good for you. You do the voice pretty well. I can hear you. Okay, no, we're going to talk about SpongeBob because Paramount Plus is out. You probably Mm -hmm. have it because you needed to watch Meghan Markle talk to Oprah. But now it's like, what do you do with this service? So it was also here, on cable, the Meghan Markle interview. Who has, what is cable? That's true. Didn't that die with the dinosaurs? That's no why one, TV concierge exists because you don't have cable. Yeah, exactly. That's why this whole thing is going on. So anyway, Paramount Plus is going on. Fun fact for you. The most distributed show by Viacom CBS, the company, is SpongeBob SquarePants. And so you could argue that the most anticipated property on Paramount Plus is, in fact, SpongeBob SquarePants. So we kind of wanted to do this episode as a, as a guide for people who love it, an intro for people who don't know it, like many of our bosses, which we're going to get to. Yeah. But first, Craig, mm-hmm. what was your relationship with SpongeBob as a kid? Was it the number one, one show in your rotation? Yes, it was the number one show in my rotation. I was born in 1994. SpongeBob started in 1999. So I, do you think that's, I was a little too young or do you think that was perfect? I'm so, all right, let's just start here. I think I was way too young for this. My mom hated that I watched this show. She thought it made me dumber. And after I started rewatching, I think she was right. I don't know if I would show kids the show. I think it did make me more stupid. Get out of here. How did SpongeBob make you, <laughs> SpongeBob is incredibly intelligent. It's, it's smart, stupid. It's stupid, it is smart, smart, stupid. It is. Yeah. It's smart, stupid, but it's still stupid, but it's amazing, stupid. So I watch other shows like Rugrats, Rocket Power, Wild Thornberries. Um, hey Arnold. My mom hey would Arnold. prefer me have watched Hey Arnold over SpongeBob a hundred times out of a hundred. But all those shows started in kind of the mid to early nineties. So they were, you were getting bored of them. They were, they were kind of at their tail end when SpongeBob started and SpongeBob was yeah. kind of completely different. Even the animation seemed different. So SpongeBob was like my go-to after school special, you know? 
Yeah, SpongeBob is crazy because like visually they splice in all these explosions and they cut to like actual like F1 cr- crashes and they have this crazy style that in some ways, I mean, one of the reasons SpongeBob is still kind of prevalent on the internet is you watch these episodes from like literally 2001, 2002 and you're like, that could be a viral video on the internet today unedited. They totally. have this very different style to it. Well, it's if, if you did the rewatchables category, what's age the best? It's it's like the production design of yes. SpongeBob. Like th- there'll be scenes where they kind of punch in, and and the frame is no longer this colorful animated. It's like it's like more hand drawn or, or more. You know what I mean? It's like it's more detailed. Like th- they really like cut in and out of kind of different artistic frameworks really well, and almost in like a not a childish way, a very artistic way. I think the way the show's directed is as good as it is written. I don't know if it's ever been so clear that people making a children's show were on drugs the whole time. Like, I don't know if it was mushrooms or acid or what, but like the, the there was like a real like, drug vibe to like the whole series. Well, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like the physics don't make sense. Doesn't matter. It'll break the fourth wall all the time. Doesn't matter. I well, kind of think it's like a really watered down PG, PG, PG family guy at times. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not wrong about that. So you mentioned the lineup. So like the Nickelodeon lineup, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to be a little, a little prejudiced here. I'm not going down the Cartoon Network lineup right here. I do want to hit the spon- the Nickelodeon ones you mentioned. So it's like SpongeBob, Rocket Power, Hey Arnold, Rugrats, Jimmy Neutron, shout out, The Wild Thornberries, Fairly Odd Parents. Why did none of those shows have the, the internet resonance that SpongeBob do? Because you, you don't see Fairly Odd Parents memes, even though I kind of like Fairly Odd Parents better than SpongeBob at the time. You know, I don't know. I, I think that SpongeBob is extremely relatable. It's very human situations. I think I think the essence of the show is kind of ignorance is bliss. And I think we're all Squidward. <laughs> and I think we all want to be SpongeBob. And SpongeBob always wins. That's, that's really true. The, the shittiest part is like, as I get older, I'm like, damn, I get why Squidward wanted them to keep it down all the time. <laughs> Right. You know, they're in the box of imagination and you hear all these incredible sounds on the outside and you go in and they're not doing anything. And it's like a perfect example of like, hey, never grow up because inside the box is is more fun than outside the box. And we're all outside the box. I I have to. My favorite line in the entire series is when Patrick's like, you don't know what I'm thinking. The inner machinations of my mind are enigma. And then it's like a milk carton spilling (laughs) over. And I'm like, damn, I miss like abstract thoughts it's so stupid smart i really there's times when the family guy thing you know how family guy really relies on like repetition they'll do the same thing over and over until it's funny or they'll like have these awkward pauses yeah like the knee when it's like ah like a hundred times in a row spongebob's weirdly good at that like you know the frank and doodle episode when the pencil falls right at the beginning and and they start running around like crazy and screaming for a brief second patrick just stops and stares at it and then keeps running again (laughs) like that type of stuff is what i think separates the show because it's it was it was kind of meta. Like, hey, Arnold didn't do this stuff. No, meta is the word. Meta is the word. They play, play with format and genre in a way that no other cartoon kids show did. And in a way, that's kind of letting kids in on the joke, like totally. treating your audience kind of smarter. I mean, audience of six-year-olds. So, And it's, it's becoming a bit contrived to say this, but it really does work for adults and kids. I mean, I know that they say that about a lot of cartoon kids well, shows, <laughs> but it really does stay just as good if not better when you're 26 but on that note so i think there's a weird thing about spongebob we we do the ringer fantasy football show together with danny kelly so you were born in 96 i was born in 95 i was born in 94 oh yeah whatever danny kelly math i don't know danny kelly who we do it with was born in i don't know 1960 yeah i think around world war ii 45 so technically we're all millennials 25 and 37 but you and i have a very 
strong theory that SpongeBob is like the demarcating line. It's like halftime between the millennials. Like the millennials who don't remember SpongeBob are kind of really have nothing to do with us. And then there's a sweet spot of like 22 year olds to like really somewhere around 28, 29, it peters out. And that's the SpongeBob generation. And those are the people who get the internet still and memes online. And then all of our bosses or some of the people asked us to do this podcast are above that and have no idea what SpongeBob is, thinks it's bizarre and I don't know, ruined our generation. I don't know what people older think of SpongeBob. Yeah, you know, if the hottest take was still around, I would say that I think we need to redo um, the generations because millennials too wide. It's too wide, <laughs> it's way too wide. <laughs> like, and it needs to be the SpongeBob. I'm, I'm okay with being called the SpongeBob generation, whatever you want to call it, the bikini bottoms. Um, <laughs> bikini bottoms. <laughs> But yeah, there was this, you know, my brother's 30 years old and he, if I said like, what's your favorite SpongeBob episode? He, I guarantee you he couldn't pick one. Couldn't pick a single episode. And meanwhile, I can recite this shit like it's an encyclopedia. Should we get to reciting it like it's an encyclopedia? Well, let me ask you this. So how many episodes did you watch in preparation of this recording? Well, recounting, is it like, cause you know, how every episode's like vestigial, like they're, they have two episodes. So are you counting that as one or two? So I think I, I actually like went back and rewatched shows last year for like another reason. Me and my friend were bored. We went back and watched SpongeBob. When I was a kid, I don't think I understood that two episodes were in one 22 minute time slot. No, I, I didn't think either. I, like remembering it, I thought each episode was 22 minutes, but it's not. Each episode is 11. And it's kind of incredible because what I think SpongeBob does so well is every memory you have of the episode is kind of just that is every part of the episode. There's no fluff. Like they get no. right into it. It is a joke. It is a plot moving point. It is another joke. It is a plot moving point. Like SpongeBob does not fuck around. It is a tight 11 minutes. They get in, they get out and it's your full memory. There's no like, you know, uh, exposition. It's kind of like family guy will have these long meandering a blocks. And then the end of like the seven or eight minute thing sets up the rest of the episode. SpongeBob, just the a block, the eight minutes is the show. The fry cook games are announced like episode, like second 10 <laughs> and they're competing like, one minute, 30 seconds into the episode and you like understand all of it. It's amazing. Well, I think that's like the good part of cartoons. Like the good cartoons are like that. Like Rick and Morty. I, I, I This is not a Rick and Morty podcast, but the amazing thing about that show is they'll just get, they'll just establish, okay, best imagination world was real and Rick left her best friend there when they were five. They have to go back and get him because he's yeah. still in this world. And that's like, oh, 45 seconds into the episode. And SpongeBob's kind of like It's that a masterclass in kind of like storytelling, but I, it's efficiency. Get, it is. Yeah, totally. Before we, they have a high PER. Before we get into the ranking, though, I wanted to tell you one, like, small anecdote. So my friend Chris and I love SpongeBob. We talk about it all the time. We always have had this theory that season four is when SpongeBob died. After, I, season, yeah. after season four, it was terrible. We never knew why, but we were like, something changed. And it was, it was really specifically marked by the April 20th episode of season four titled The Best Day Ever. It was, it was this huge marketing campaign around it. The episode came out. It was not good. And it kind of was the, the nail in the coffin that season four is is not unlike the first three seasons. So as I was kind of researching SpongeBob, it was created by this guy, Steven Hillenberg, who was also a part of Rocco's Modern Life, by the way. There are some similar animation styles if you look at it. But so I found out that they made season three. They wrote season three, in my opinion, the last good season. And then Steven Hillenberg goes, all right, we're going to stop. We're going to go on a hiatus because we're going to write the movie. And so SpongeBob takes like a break for a while. The movie comes out and then he goes to Nickelodeon. And he's like, I'm done. SpongeBob should end. It's perfect. It's peaked. I don't want to do it anymore. And they go, of course, Nickelodeon making tons of money off. It goes, absolutely not. We need to keep it going. Steven Hillenberg steps down as showrunner and never returns. He stays on as like an advisor, executive producer, whatever, but he never returns. And 
now it makes so much sense why season four was the beginning of the end for SpongeBob. And now it's just a different show. And the first three seasons are unbelievable. I didn't know he left that early. So he actually passed away a couple of years ago. And there was like a lot of fanfare around it. Um, people obviously very thankful for everything. But that makes sense because I didn't know if we just like season the first three seasons because that's when we were like six to ten years old. And we that's what you enjoy as a kid. Or if we if it actually got worse. But it makes sense. Like as I did the rewatch, I was kind of thinking the earlier ones really are best. They are. They really are better. And I actually don't like when the animation gets too skilled. Do you know what I mean? I think now yes. it's almost too vibrant and too um, kind of lurid. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I, I like the kind of subtle animation of the first three seasons. How do you feel about Patches the Pirate? I think he's great. I, I'm a huge fan. I, you know what? That's a huge part of my life that I really forgot about. That's Tom Kenny. That's the voice of SpongeBob. Is that the same guy? Yeah, he's patchy. That makes... Wow. I kind of wish I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> you want to get to... So we just ranked our top three favorite SpongeBob episodes... Yeah. To be clear, you can't really pick three. It's SpongeBob. The value is in the entire catalog. But if you were, but we forced ourselves to pick three each year. Really difficult task. I watched. I went back and I kind of watched like my favorite nine, and I picked three out of that from memory, and I, I rewatched them all. And okay. Came up you want to go top first, three. or you want me to go first here? <sighs> I'll go first. I right, go first. Okay. So my first one, I'm going to say, is Band Geeks. Oh, that was mine. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's it's season two, episode 15, which is the one people don't know. Squidward forms a marching band to kind of stick it to his arch rival, Squilliam Fancy Son. Great name, great character, Squilliam. Uh, I think Squidward's commitment to being like a classy, worldly guy, even though he's completely talentless, and he's like has this desire to be like a, an aristocrat, and he's super not... <laughs> Is just, I think, one of the funniest parts of the show. It's I so you were adult. Say like, people don't get it. it it's also <laughs> relatable. I think so. First of all, this episode, I almost didn't list it because it's, I mean, mainstream to be like, I feel like Squidward right now. It's like a little too mainstream to be like, this is the best episode. This is universally regarded as the best episode. You know what? It is. This episode is hilarious. And Patrick is my favorite character. And this has maybe the best Patrick star line, which is what he's like, is mayonnaise an instrument? <laughs> It's indelible. Is mayonnaise an instrument? And then he raises his hand again and he goes, horseradish is not an instrument either. Uh, and with the, the owner of the white sedan, you left your lights on when he's got the tuba around his neck, whatever, the trombone. It's so good. And I think, I think what kind of makes this episode unlike the rest is one thing SpongeBob does really well is music. Yes, it's stunning. I made a quick list. Let me run through it. The every, you'll hear people listening, if you're a SpongeBob fan, you'll hear the name of this every song and immediately it'll pop into your head. They've done Sweet Victory, which is from Band Geeks. It was incredible. Really good. That was the and funny it, part of the episode. Was It was incredible. I'd listen to it today. Uh, <laughs> Goofy Goober Rock from the movie. Unbelievable. The Jellyfish Jam. The Campfire Song. Fun. fun the fun. I want to talk about fun. Okay. The lyrics to fun. <laughs> it's like, they, they talk about like friends and the power of friendship. And then F is for friends that do things together. U is for you and me. Plankton comes in with you is for uranium bombs and I'm like and is for no survivors I was six years old watching this and in retrospect I can't believe I was allowed to watch this As, I don't know would, would you let your kids like six years old watch like you is for uranium bombs 100% I would let my kid watch this are you kidding me do you know what's out there now we're gonna give our kids iPads when they're four That's they can point. find a lot worse I, I hope they're watching Spongebob but just point. to cap it off, the Sandy's Texas song, Ripped Pants, and The Best Time to Wear a Striped Sweater. Every time SpongeBob does music, it's fantastic. They're and they unreal. even remade the Tiny Tim song. 
in like episode four. <laughs> All right, that's I, a really good one. I also had Band Geeks, and I can't really say enough about it. I think that's overall the best episode, but my favorite moment comes from a different episode. So what do you okay, have next? Well, you just go again. Okay. Season two, episode 11, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 3. The third uh, one, okay. So that's the one where they accident. So Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy go on vacation, and they're old, you know, and uh, SpongeBob and Patrick watch the lair for them, and they accidentally defrost Man Ray. <laughs> and they have to they have to teach him to be good and there's the laughing belt and it's all about man ray learning to be good and you know spongebob and patrick you know fall ass backwards into like actually curing him but the funniest moment perhaps in spongebob history for me is the wallet scene when they're teaching him to be good and and they go all right man ray what do you do when somebody drops their wallet and he goes pat drop your wallet pat drops the wallet and he's like man ray's like pretending and he's like oh i saw you drop this wallet and here you go and pat's like it's not that's not my wallet and he's like, what are you talking about? I just saw you drop. And he's like, it's not my wallet. And then he pulls out the license and goes, are you Patrick Starr? And he goes, yep. And he goes, and this is your ID. And he goes, yep. And he's like, I found this ID in this wallet. So that would mean that this is your wallet. And he goes, that makes sense to me. And he's like, then take it. And he goes, it's not my wallet. And then he just beats the shit out of Patrick. And then the next scene is Patrick carrying a heavy package and he keeps dropping it on Man Ray's foot. And he goes, what's in that box? And he goes, my wallets. <laughs> and it's just, I, it, that's where like the family guy aspect comes in. Sorry, I know that was a long tangent, but I love that scene. No, it's fine. Pa I think so. Patrick, Patrick's getting a spinoff for Paramount Plus. They're doing the Patrick Star show. I think that this is the most home run idea I've ever heard. I can't think Does of it, a character who decides more. Oh, you're skeptical of the Patrick Star show? Yeah, I'm a purist. I don't like spinoffs. They never work. You're happy about it? Like what do you, like So the pa let me so this is from Deadline. The Patrick Star show follows a younger Patrick Star living at home with his family where he hosts his own show for the neighborhood from his television turned bedroom. His little sister Squidina works behind the scenes to make sure Patrick's show is always running smoothly while his parents Bunny and Cecil and his grandpa, Grandpat, each support Patrick in their own hilariously absurd ways. So Patrick's a YouTube star as an angsty teenager. I think that is a home run. I mean, it's a good idea, but I, you know, it, it's not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna be as good. It's not even gonna be close. Oh shit, never you're twenty six. Patrick can't carry the show. The whole, the, the best part about him is that he's, he's an accessory. You know, he's less is more with Patrick. So you're saying who's the NBA equivalent? You're saying he's like Nick Batum or something. Uh, you know, he, like if Clay Thompson had to play point guard, it wouldn't work out. He's a catch and shoot guy. He's better when he has 60 points off 12 dribbles. I feel like Clay Thompson loves Patrick Starr. Well, there's, a, yeah, haven't you seen the Clay Thompson Patrick Starr? I think it was my Slack. Oh, yeah, that's the whole while. meme. <laughs> <laughs> it's like life becomes art. What's your, what's your second? I'm obsessed with the Flying Dutchman. I don't know why. I love Shanghai, the first Flying Dutchman episode. It's just, I don't know why. It's the one where Patrick is, they're like, roar. Oh and he's like, little, little, little. It's just the little little and the flying Dutchman keeps breathing in to roar and he little little yeah yeah and I think I also forgot how again I'm serious about like I think that they were doing a lot of acid while making this show because there's a point where the flying Dutchman's mad at Squidward and he just unzips like the fabric of reality and throws him into like they call it the the was it the zipper of despair and he's flying through what looks like your subconscious it's like a Salvador Dali and like severed heads and all this <laughs> yeah. shit for like all eternity unzipping he's like anyone else want to go in and Squidward spends like 10 minutes of like real life time in there I think that that's the moments that I never appreciated as a kid and those are all the ones that are really funny now well yeah because like a, a little kid like is not you're right he's not gonna understand that like in the mermaid and barnacle boy up yeah, once once they cure man right Patrick whispers I guess he's reconstituted and then Pat and then SpongeBob goes rehabilitated and then Patrick says Gesundheit. Like 
just it's it's on another level. It's on another level. Or like also the other one, the other one on my list is like this simple your shoes untied, which is mm. just SpongeBob tries to teach Patrick how to tie his shoes and the process realizes he doesn't know how to tie his shoes. But the funniest part is literally the first five seconds. He's sitting in the chair and he's watching, like, again, they meld the cartoons with, like, real life. And he's watching a, his TV has a real life video of, like, a sponge in the ocean gyrating. And SpongeBob's, like, really excited. And then Gary comes over, his cat, and he's like, oh, Sorry, I was I was watching football. I was, <laughs> and which like I, no one would understand, and it's aged like fine wine. So that's your third episode. That's your third one. That's my third one. It's great. Mine is Survival of the Idiots, where they get locked in the tree dome while Sandy's hibernating. Yeah, that's a really honestly, it's better than mine. That's a that's a legendary episode. Subtle joke when Sandy is sleep talking and she goes, "I'm gonna catch you and throw you in jail at taxpayers' expense." <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that one is a legendary episode. All of these are from the first three seasons, though. Oh, every single one. Season are we one, sure it's because the creator changed and not that just that was the sweet spot of our childhood and everyone feels that when you were a certain age, that's the best thing that there ever was? Well, no, because like what, 2004 or five when season four aired, I was eight or no, sorry, I was nine or 10. Like, I'm not sure you've outgrown SpongeBob at that age. I actively remember being disinterested. I remember the best day ever episode coming out and being like, this is not good anymore. It's unbelievable. All my other Maybe. episodes, I have nine that I rewatched and I, those are all honorable mentions, which my top one is Frank and doodle, which is incredible. They're all in season one, two, and three. I like that you were just ahead of the curve and just being apathetic. And you're just like nine year old Craig. And you're just like, you know, this really was better with the under the previous creator. It's true. You know, Larry David left Seinfeld. The show dipped <laughs> a little bit. Armando Iannucci left Veep. It happens. I have one question for you. Okay. I want to talk about quickly this episode, Frank and Doodle. Do you know the one I'm talking about? The most he, met of all. It's where they find a pencil and then they write and all the drawings come to life. So there's a moment, and I, this is per, also perhaps one of the funniest moments in SpongeBob, in my opinion. When Frank and Doodle draws a hole in the ground and they fall to the bottom of it, and then a, a wrench drops on Patrick's head and he says, where's the leak, ma'am? And he's concussed. <laughs> but the second time they pop up to the top of the ditch and Doodle Bob throws a bowling ball at him and Patrick's head turns into a pin and it hits him and then he falls to the bottom of the ditch and the ball follows into the ditch and falls and hits him in the head and Spongebob yells like, Pat, are you okay? And Patrick yells, Finland, the country. He goes, Finland! To this day, I have never understood why he said that. If it's a meta joke, I don't understand. Why did he yell Finland? Because was he going to yell Norway? It's not as funny. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never got it. I think it. it's it, really it, obvious. You what? don't get it? Acid? <laughs> exactly. It's psilocybin, actually. That's the that's the technical term. <laughs> that's probably, Okay, yeah. well, let's fall into our own hole before we just, you know, go on. I don't know. Yeah, you know, the SpongeBob memes will live on forever, Heifetz. And uh, I'm so happy that this is the show. We got so lucky with when we were born because we understand these SpongeBob memes more than anybody. And I want to recommend, there is a Twitter account out there called SpongeBob screenshots or SpongeBob screen caps, I think. And it's literally screenshots from every scene, from every episode in order. And they are just a blank canvas for a meme. Grab them. Turn them into memes, people. And then we will officially be old and washed up when there's like a Phineas and Ferb TV concierge episode. Yeah, we will be. That's a show I never really dipped my toe in. I've been begging. I've been begging the ringer to let me do a SpongeBob binge show binge bob sponge mode whatever we want to call it <laughs> binge bob sponge mode okay well there you go this was like the prologue to that so there you go paramount All plus right. check it out 
Paramount Plus, yeah, thank you to everyone. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Oh, DK's not here. Just muscle memory. Thank you, SpongeBob. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Check out Paramount Plus and SpongeBob. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.